0: Welcome to the God Culture, where we urge you to challenge traditions, as First Thessalonians 5.21 tells us, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. We do not intend to be confrontational, but to compare what the Bible really says versus the traditions of men, which Jesus himself rebuked. Jesus said to the Pharisees, full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition." Mark 7, 9. Today, we are continuing our flood series with part 3, Noah Divides All the Earth, Shem's Territory, According to the Book of Jubilees. The what? Maybe you haven't heard of the Book of Jubilees, and traditional thinking says it's not in the canon chosen by the Catholic Church, or the Protestant Church for that matter, therefore, You should not read it. Well, many scholars do not know what to make of this book, for certain. In fact, they do not know who authored it. And they try to claim it was written around the period of 100 to 200 B.C., before Yahusha, Jesus. But as you will see in this video as we read along, there are an awful lot of ancient names that would have been known territories by a different name at the time this was written, which makes no sense that the writer would use a name not supported by current history over one that was well known in that era. We think that alone disproves any dating during that period, and we strongly question those who try to say this was written by a Pharisee, because it appears to be far more ancient. However, we'll show you the early church fathers referenced this book often, although not always as the Book of Jubilees, as it is also known as the Book of Division and other names. Division meaning the division of the earth, by the way. Jubilees, because it breaks down the timeline of basically the same periods as Genesis into 49-year increments known as jubilees, which you are probably aware. Here's our take, and we'll expound a little more. If the early church fathers had access to and used and quoted a source, no matter what it was, we want to have that source available to us as well. In fact, we would like believers to be aware even of some occult writings. Oh, did we say that? Yes, actually we did. Um, And this, by the way, is not an occult writing. Because we all need to know our enemy and how he thinks. When your eyes are open to this, you can even watch a TV commercial and see the satanic influence, whereas otherwise, you may get an odd feeling in your spirit, but you don't know why. And many of us ignore this. We're adults, and we can handle extra-biblical books like this. Is this written in a manner that favors the occult, by the way, or that ties to the whole of Scripture? That's really the question. In this case, our observation is that the book of Jubilees essentially confirms the writings of Moses in Genesis, and it expounds, we believe, in good ways. We get details we would not have had otherwise. For instance, ever been asked the question, if God only created Adam and Eve, where did Cain's wife come from? That answer is not in Genesis, and it leaves us all rather stumped. Whole theories have come out of such thinking, and we'll discuss those later, but did you know Jubilees tells us Cain married his sister? Before you jump up and down saying, yuck, Ooh, consider this, We will prove that man has been de-evolving through time, not evolving. And in the the same time of the first humans, their DNA was far more pure. But once you take a copy of a copy of a copy and so on, you lose information every time along the way. There was nothing wrong with this, and Jubilees also tells us Seth did the same. He married his other sister. Well, where did you think the women came from? Of course, that's who they married. In fact, Jubilees gives us the wives' names of all of the patriarchs and who their families were, which again fills in other gaps, such as the occult story of Noah marrying one of Cain's granddaughters named Namah. That's not true. Funny, you will find that same Nema as the mother to giants in occult lore. And not exactly cool for Noah to be marrying a Nephilim breeder. Because, well, he didn't. Jubilee says Noah married Amzara, the daughter of Rekiel, the daughter of his father's brother in other words, his cousin. Today, we are going to map out the division of the entire, yes, we said entire earth, according to Noah, who divided the entire inheritance of the entire earth between his three sons. And we still see these dividing lines today. So, It's okay to accept the occult Talmud version of the Bible interpretation, but not to read a book that the early church fathers used. Come on. We are grown up enough to be able to handle it, whether it's inspired or not, which is not a conversation we're going to have today. It's okay. We do not have to determine... Whether Jubilees is inspired scripture today and selected for inclusion into the canon, we are not convening a council. Just as many of us read history books written by occultists and Pharisees, such as even Josephus, whom we really respect, we still many times not always find them credible and frankly We are finding traditional views of the Bible from seminaries, in some cases, to be reliant on occult accounts in error. We must all prove all things for ourselves, and we are all capable of discerning the truth from fiction. And we both know, we go watch fictional movies, and we know the difference. One last thing about jubilees is that even though fragments were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was already in circulation long before, as even in 1913, over 30 years before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, R. H. Charles provided an interpretation based mostly on the Ethiopian version, in which it was a part of their Christian canon, All. Along, as was the book of Enoch, by the way, which we'll introduce in a later video. So when one says it's not a part of the canon, actually, there is a canon which included it, and when they tell you, stay away, it's a Dead Sea Scroll, know that that is an inaccurate portrayal as it was well circulated in the early church and in Ethiopia's church all along and was reinterpreted 30 years ago or well 30 years prior to the Dead Sea Scrolls being found. Also, when someone warns you about those Dead Sea Scrolls, remind them that every book of the canon of Scripture also had at least fragments found within the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is a cool thing because it confirms the Bible. So, no, we can't throw out the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a lot of good there. you got to filter through it, but there's a lot of good there. Except, by the way, the book of Esther, which we believe brings that book into question. There were some books found which we too believe to be of occult origin, and we have to go through each one to determine. But even the occult ones, and we do not believe Jubilees qualifies as such, can still provide valuable insight into people and places and help us further understand biblical geography, history, etc. from time to time, even if you're not reading it as inspired scripture. We read things like that as history and then we still filter through it because we realize that an occult account may have some truth, but it also may have some lies. So you have to filter through it. And yes, we are well aware of the traditional thinking that Noah and his sons only knew about a small portion of the earth and basically divided up the Middle East and a little further, Right? So, first, this would assume Adam was given dominion over the entire planet, but Yahuwah God only made him aware of a little sliver of it. Really? That's logical? Not in our book. And Noah then inherited the entire earth after the flood. And scholars expect us to accept that he still was only aware of the same little sliver of land a thousand plus years later? We are told that Israel is the center of the earth, for instance, and that's wrong. They even say all languages east of Israel are written right to left, but again, that is wrong. The ancient Baibayan script of the Philippines were not right to left, and several Oriental scripts are really, truly vertical, not even horizontal in origin. So, the Western thinking that is prevalent in such a statement is already the problem. The Garden of Eden is in, well, Babylon. Funny, it would lead to Babylon, isn't it? Between the Tigris and Euphrates. Well, neither of those words are in the original Hebrew, as it is Hidekel and Parat, and scholars well know this is not the Tigris, and the Euphrates, and even if it was, it would not necessarily be the same rivers that these would have been named after because they were named long after the flood anyway, but it doesn't matter because it's impertinent. We spell that out in detail in part 10 of Solomon's Gold series, by the way, where we locate the rivers from Eden using a map of the ocean floor and scripture. We will reference the strong theory of ours in this video and the next, so if you have not reviewed it, we encourage you to go watch part 10 of Solomon's Gold series first. And don't hit us with a debate about the rivers from Eden in comments, because we show a couple of slides out of the entire presentation, which is fairly massive, because we're not going to engage that. It seems some folks believe they can watch one video and miraculously know our entire series. Let us be clear, you can not. And we are no longer entering those kinds of debates in comments, just so as that you know ahead of time, we're just not doing it. We can't break down months of research and two hours of video in a comment on YouTube. No, we can't do that. So let us begin our journey of Noah's division of the entire earth to Shem. First, the book of Jubilees, or also known as the Little Genesis, no, it's not smaller, is mentioned by name continually in the writings of the early fathers, and by a succession of authors reaching to Theodorus, Medochida in A.D. 1332, allusions to information contained therein without actual naming of the origin of the statements are very numerous, particularly in the Byzantine chroniclers. It is well known to early Christians, as evidenced by the writings of Epiphanius Justin Martyr, Origen, Diodorus of Tarsus, Isidore of Alexandria, Isidore of Seville, Eutychius of Alexandria, John Malalus, George Syncellus, and George Cadranus. The text was also utilized by the community that originally collected the Dead Sea Scrolls, which, by the way, is... Not, and we will prove in a later video, is not the Essenes. That is inaccurate. We're going to prove to you that that is, in fact, the community of James the Just, whose name wasn't James, by the way, it was Jacob, um, the brother of Yahusha, Jesus. No complete Hebrew, Greek, or Latin version is known to have survived. And that's one of the issues. To why Jubilees is not considered canon, because there's no complete version in either language. They're using fragments from here, fragments from there, and putting it together. But it is fairly complete, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't read it. Okay, so don't put it in the Bible. That's okay. We're not making that argument today, um, nor do we really care, as long as it's available to us. Uh, we just want to read those things that all of these church fathers read Again, we find this at least credible enough to study the division of the earth by Noah according to this book. We will be spending time today in Jubilees chapter 8. And she bare him a son in the fifth year thereof, and he called his name Eber. This is Selah, Eber's father, is he, and she would be his wife. And he took unto himself a wife, and her name was Azurad, the daughter of Nebrot, in the thirty-second Jubilee. It actually identifies times throughout Jubilees, but we are not going to study this today. In the seventh week, in the third year thereof. And in the sixth year thereof, she bare him a son, and he called his name Peleg. Remember, Joktan's brother who fathered the Israelites, Peleg. For in the days when he was born, the children of Noah began to divide the earth. Similar to Genesis, remember that scripture. In his days, the whole earth was divided amongst themselves. For this reason, he called his name Peleg, and they divided it secretly amongst themselves. And told it to Noah. And it came to pass in the beginning of the 33rd Jubilee that they divided the earth into three parts for Shem and Ham and Japheth, according to the inheritance of each, in the first year, in the first week, when one of us who had been sent was with them. Who's us? That'd be an angel. And that's why they have difficulty with this book. And he, Noah, called his sons, and they drew nigh to him, they and their children. And he, Noah, divided the earth into the lots, which his three sons were to take in possession. And they reached forth their hands and took the writing out of the bosom of Noah, their father. Now it starts to get exciting here. But first, we are going to use a simple map version of the earth that allows us to chart the territories of the northern and southern hemispheres at the same time as we advance through this passage. For simplicity's sake, this is basically a map of the earth from the perspective of looking down from the North Pole, or over the North Pole, so that one can see the northern and southern hemispheres together. This will make much more sense as we're going through it. This is actually the UN logo, in fact, and it makes it easier to see the whole earth at once. For those who believe the earth to be a sphere, imagine yourself looking down on the earth for those viewers who believe the Earth is not a sphere, and we know we have some, you will find this map useful as well. So, the North Pole on this map, because you are looking down, is the very center as marked by the red circle, and we'll show you quickly where the continents are, so all of this makes sense and you'll have your orientation. You'll get it pretty quickly. You can do this. Here's Australia. Here's Australia. And Asia, Africa, and Europe, North America, South America, and because you are viewing the whole Earth at once, Antarctica is the ring around the outside of the map. Again, north is the center of the circle in the middle of the screen, and south goes toward the outer edges in each direction. From the center, which is north, east is counterclockwise, and west is clockwise. And here is a colorized version to make it easier, and again, the directions. We considered several maps for this message, but find this to be the most beneficial in fully understanding the directions, because we can see both the northern and southern hemispheres in a very clear way that allows us to go around as the directions are telling us. So. Here we go. And there came forth on the writing as Shem's lot the middle of the earth, which he should take as an inheritance for himself and for his sons for the generations of eternity. How long are these territories supposed to be in place? Eternity. So is this pertinent today? Yep. So let's map out Shem's first territory. So Shem gets the middle of the earth, the center. We will support this further later as well. For this next portion, we are going to zoom in on Russia, as there is a lot of detail for that description of that particular area, just for a few frames. But don't worry, we're going to zoom back out and continue on the world map. And there came forth on the writing of Shem's Lot, the middle of the earth, which he should take as an inheritance for himself and his sons for generations of eternity from the middle of the mountain range of Rapha. Thanks to R.H. Charles, who interpreted basically the Ethiopian version of Jubilees, we know that this was the Riphayan mountain range in ancient times, named after Riphath, the son of Gomer, who's from Japheth, who settled in this area, the same area we're showing. In modern times, this has been renamed the Ural Mountains, which basically make up the dividing line, splitting Russia into its Asian side and its European side. Rather odd that the division set by Noah remains today as the division of two continents. Wow. Let's continue. From the middle of the mountain range of Rafa, from the mouth of the water, from the river Tina. Oh, look. There's a large river there, that runs basically to the middle of the Ural Mountains, Rafa, But don't settle for just that simple description, because this one gets more detailed, and this river fits all of that detail in an amazing way, because Yahuwah, many times, gives us hints along the way. R.H. Charles was able to find these hints and put this together in a, in a marvelous way. So, this line starts at the middle of the Rafa Mountains, and we are drawing just one line thus far towards the mouth of the river Tina, which flows into the Finnish Gulf, which flows into the Arctic Ocean. There is no reference to a river Tina in history that we can find, but it almost seems, as Noah knew this, would be the case, and he provides far greater detail of this particular border than probably any. But, there's more. And his portion goes toward the west through the midst, the middle, of this river, and it extends till it reaches the water of the abysses. For clarity, the abysses are not referring to hell, It is a word used in the Bible referring to the deep. It could mean ocean or sea. In this case, this passage uses the plural, so no. not only does it flow into one abyss, but at least two. So, we drew a line to the west, and look how this ancient river Tina actually splits and flows ultimately into two large seas, abysses, plural. The Black Sea, an abyss even anciently referred to as leading to hell, by the way, and the Caspian Sea. This is a lot of detail, and this river fits all of this thus far, but we're not done out of which this river goes forth and pours its waters into the sea Mi'at. Oh, where, oh where could this sea be? In antiquity, the Azov Sea, as you see on the screen, was usually known as the Mi'atis Swamp from the marshlands to its northeast. It remains unclear whether it was named for the nearby my, or if that name was applied broadly to various peoples who happened to live beside it, other names included Lake Mis, or Maatiius, the Myatium, or Miatic Sea. hmm. Is there really anything to question here? (laughs) This is obviously the place, and the River Tina, obviously, this river fits, and the Rafa Mountains, obviously, are the right mountains. This writer has given such a detailed description that this could be no other place on earth. So, one may say, this must have been written later. And the author already knew what the Greeks called the sea. Problem. We can find no record of the River Tina whatsoever. Not in any Greek literature that we can find. Meaning, it is far more ancient. And the Rafaian Mountains predate that era as well. What this proves is that the Maatic Sea and the Maetians, were named after this ancient sea, used to detail the northern border of Shem's inheritance because Noah knew what he was doing, especially at 700 plus years of age. And this river flows into the great sea, the ocean. The great sea is the world ocean, and there is really only one because... They are all connected. And look, at the Finnish Gulf, it flows into the Arctic Ocean, the Great Sea Ocean. So this river starts in the middle of a border mountain range that is identifiable through history and it flows to its mouth, then west into two seas, abysses, and another sea with a specific name that's traced through history, and it pours into the ocean all the same. Pretty much narrows it down, but of course, Rafa is the clear giveaway here. And all that is towards the north is Japheth's. And all that is towards the south belongs to Shem. So, this is our first border defined in great detail. And funny, it stands today as the dividing line between Asia and Europe. Or, Shem in orange and Japheth in green. Now, Russia now flows over the Ural Mountains and has claimed the territory to the east of it. But this is Shem's promised land. And we'll talk about this more. In fact, Israel, we will find, is within Shem's promised land. But the sons of Ham, Canaan, took it. So, when Yahuwah God was telling Abraham, all the way to Moses, about the promised land, He was not making a new promise at all. Abraham was a Shemite from Shem. And Shem was promised that land that Ham's son took. See what we mean? There is much here, so let's continue. Okay, so let's zoom out and take a look at how this affects the world map. Shem gets the middle, the center of the earth and the boundary between Shem and Japheth is now set by the Ural Mountains and the modern Don and Volga rivers in Russia. Don't worry that it seems a little vague on exactly where the river and mountains divide because that detail is in this account and we'll get there. And it extends till it reaches Carasso This is in the bosom of the tongue, which looks toward the south. Now, this is where scholars start to really go haywire in some cases. Some try to jump to Greece, which doesn't even remotely fit Noah's geographic lesson that he's giving us here. See, these are concise directions geographically, and he repeats them later even. So jumping away from this clear set of directions is nonsense. Without looking into the name whatsoever, it is obvious that the author is referring to India here as the tongue that looks towards the south because he mentions the other tongue next. And there are really only two tongues in that region of the world. Look at the geographic feature. Is that not a tongue facing south? No need to go roaming around the earth here to find a name that is similar. It's obvious. However, we searched anyway. Remember the time period we are in here. The days of Peleg, which places us around 100 years after the Tower of Babel, when the languages were confused and the world was divided. In India... Archaeologists in recent years have discovered one of the most ancient of civilizations known as the Indus Valley Civilization, which dates back to around 3000 BC. Hmm. Sounds like around the time of just after the flood. How about that? In the Indus Valley civilization, as of 1999, over 1,056 cities and settlements had been found, of which 96 have been excavated. One such city was named Kir Asara, which does sound similar to use scholarly logic, but better yet, It actually fits the geography of Jubilees as it is in the bosom of the tongue, which looks toward the south. See the map to the left. There is what looks like a woman's bosom in the area that we circled. And right in the middle of that bosom is Kiracera Curasso. Let's continue our journey. And his portion extends along the great sea, the ocean, and it extends in a straight line till it reaches the west of the tongue which looks toward the south. For this sea is named the tongue of the Egyptian Sea. So from India on the great sea, the world ocean of which there's still only one, no matter how you try to split it up, draw a straight line to the west, and there's the other tongue. Now, some scholars try to debate that the Egyptian Sea is not the Red Sea. But here's the problem. The Egyptian Sea has a tongue inside of it, according to this description. Or, in other words, it surrounds a tongue. If this were Saudi Arabia... There are three different seas at play, not just one, as this passage mentions. This can only refer to what we call today the Sinai Peninsula. Inaccurately, by the way, because Mount Sinai is over the east portion of the Red Sea, because the Israelites left from Goshen, which is north of the other portion of the Red Sea on the the west side of the tongue. So they didn't have to cross over that side of the Red Sea. They certainly didn't head down into Egypt first and then leave to cross the Red Sea. It makes no sense, especially not the time of the journey and everything else. We're not going to go there, but even Paul tells us exactly where Mount Sinai is, and it is in Saudi Arabia. So anyway, look at the clear shape ...of a tongue in the midst of the Red Sea, or Egyptian Sea, and it also looks toward the south. We don't have to speculate here. Noah is telling us the Egyptian Sea surrounds this tongue, as it is the tongue of the Egyptian Sea. But did Noah know what a tongue looked like? We believe he did. Let's look closely. 1. This is India and it is a tongue looking toward the south. Two, this is the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt, and it is also shaped like a tongue looking toward the south. Three, this is Saudi Arabia. Is it shaped like a tongue to you? Perhaps a diseased one. And does it look towards the south? Not just the western corner, but because that would be misplaced logic. This shape faces the southeast, not the south. It does not fit. And it turns from here towards the south, towards the mouth of the great sea, on the shore of its waters. Again, the mouth of the great sea is the world ocean. And look, here it is, right where the directions say it will be, and the shore of its waters. Now, Noah is talking about Saudi Arabia. One may question Noah couldn't have known all of this detail, and it must have been written when scholars say in 200 to 100 BC, right? Wrong, because by 200 BC, we didn't know the full geography of the earth. These directions wouldn't make any sense in 200 B.C. for the most part. We had lost that knowledge, but Noah saw the earth even from heaven, because the book of Enoch says he was taken there just like Enoch, and he was told the detail of the flood, and he saw the full detail of the earth from above, which is why we use this map. Make sense now? So, yes, No one knew, and we did not recapture that knowledge until fairly recently in history. As Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. By the way, heaven is above the sun, so this could be rendered there's nothing new on the earth. Not UFOs, not giants, as we will show you, not technology, not science, nothing new. We will address this further. Again, what a clear picture Noah paints here. Now, that's a scholar we can learn from. And it extends to the west to Afra and it extends till it reaches the waters of the river Gihan, and to the south of the waters of Gihan, to the banks of this river. We believe this refers to Africa. We know sounds like a stretch, but read some scholarly writings, and they do question that Afra could actually mean Africa. But look at the geography, not just the word. Where are we in the directions? We left the Sinai Peninsula and headed down to the ocean and the shores of Saudi Arabia, Yemen. So we're in Yemen. And what is west of Yemen? Tough question, right? Africa. Shem's territory extends over the waters to the banks of Africa. It does not include Africa. As you will see, that is hams, but the waters are shems. That's how detailed Noah was. But let's look at the word Afra, which in Hebrew means ashes, dust, clay, and Africa is certainly known for a people with the skin tone of ashes, dust, and clay. And the land is known to be largely desert of dust and clay. Not all, but a very large portion of it. So it even fits when you look at it that way. Again, let's learn from Noah. He's guiding us here. But what about this Gihon River? You know, we covered this in our River from Eden segment, part 10 of Solomon's Gold series. You will really need to watch that video to get the full explanation. But, here's a brief review of the Gihon. In describing the river from Eden and the four heads of other rivers, Genesis 2 says this of the Gihon River. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it. That compasseth, compasseth, surrounds the whole land of Cush. Here's the map of the ocean floor that we used, in which we believe we find the ancient river from Eden coming out of the North Pole and flowing for 40,000 continuous miles, even according to science, around. The earth. It breaks into four heads, as the passage says. Look at Africa. See how the Gihon River surrounds all of Africa. Now, we know the land of Cush is well documented to be Ethiopia, right? Actually, that is correct. By the way, geography shows no river surrounding the whole land of Ethiopia. So, something's wrong. Is the Bible wrong? No. One running through it, but not surrounding it. That's because this was before the flood, and even that river did not exist at that time. The Gihon is at the bottom of the ocean floor, represented by a known oceanic trench system. That's still there and still functioning. Again, you gotta watch part 10 to understand what we mean, so don't try to debate us based on this brief, brief explanation, because we will not engage. However, more so, what does Genesis say here? It surrounds the whole land of Cush. Ethiopia is a country, but its whole land is the whole continent of Africa, not just Ethiopia. And we are now going to show you an historic reference to such. Oh, this is good. Here's a map from Matthew Carey drawn in 1795. Even at this point, what is the name of the ocean on the western side of Africa? It's the Ethiopian Sea. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. As in the upper right on this screen, you can see on the map of Africa, Ethiopia is one small country all the way on the east side of Africa, and has no connection to the west, right? Wrong. This map in history called this sea the Ethiopian Sea, not the Atlantic Ocean all the way up until the 19th century because the whole land of Ethiopia from ancient times is Africa. Today we call that sea the Atlantic Ocean. But this is a new, really occult term referring to Atlantis, the ancient occult kingdom of the giant kings before the flood, which actually we are going to cover. But not in this video. So, Where is the Gihan River? It surrounds all of Africa, Ethiopia's whole land, just as we show in part 10 of Solomon's Gold series. Now, this next direction is going to really be telling. But remember, we do not go into Africa, but just to the water. And right now, we are on the east side of Africa. So, check out these directions. And it extends towards the east, till it reaches the Garden of Eden. Ooh, the Garden of Eden? Which was planted east of Eden, not in Eden, by the way, as many confuse. Some try to guess that the Garden of Eden was in Africa. But, wait, we don't enter Africa for Shem's territory, do we? And we are on the east side of it, not in it, nor on the west, which is where we are right now. And in fact, we even saw a reference on one website where they actually said that the Garden of Eden was west, in the west of Shem's territory. Well, this says east. They were even quoting this scripture, by the way. Inaccurately, And I, perhaps it was just a mistake, of course. Um, we are told to head east until it reaches the garden. Wow. So, no, it's not Africa. What we also know is we already covered the Middle East. And we have exited it. We left it. And at this point, that's not the garden. It's not in the Middle East. Hmm. Nor is it in India, because we've already exited India as well. Territory is already covered. We are going to cover this in an entire video where we really break this down. But what's east of Africa? Well, water. So how far east, emphasis intended, Do we go to reach the garden? Well, we go to the ends of the earth. But we'll prove that (laughs) Um, and what's at the ends of the earth later. Watch our Solomon's Gold series and you will see. And once we have produced part four, which lays out Japheth and Ham's inheritance, We will then go back to Solomon's Gold series and produce part 12, Where is the Garden of Eden? Because it fits there. And you'll see why when you see the full revelation, which, by the way, goes way beyond just jubilees. And if you think you know how we are going to pull this together, you don't. Because we have other sources we are not going to mention, and there is a very large breakthrough in some of the words used. But we're not going to tell you anymore. Sorry for teasing. Gee, we wonder why the Book of Jubilees would have to be suppressed. Are you seeing a pattern here? Just curious. Let's move on. To the south thereof. To the south. So we'll draw a line to the south, but we do not know how far until we get to Ham's territory. Huh. What's Ham doing all the way around the world, you say? I thought his lineage was from Africa, right? Well, it is. But Noah's going to tell us. And from the east of the whole land of Eden, and of the whole east. Okay, so did you just read east of the Garden of Eden? Because that's not what this says. Allow us some leeway, because we will prove this later, but Eden is the land of the North Pole. The center, the middle of the earth, the Garden of Eden, was planted east of Eden, according to Genesis, and we just saw in this passage that somewhere in this territory, on the east side, is the Garden of Eden, and we'll expound. So, how do you figure out what is east from a center point in the middle of the earth? Simple. Since ancient times, the area has been known as the Far East or the Orient. Yes, it is east of Israel, which is not the center of the earth, by the way. Uh, No way to make that work on a map if you know geography, so that's just a misnomer that's claimed, but it's not actually anywhere in the Bible that we can find. Eden, however is the navel of the earth. And we're going to talk about that more. Let's look again at our river from Eden map. Genesis 2.10 And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. Where does this river flow out of? Eden. Where does it start? The North Pole. Is that where the Garden of Eden is? No, it was planted eastward of Eden. Due east is the Far East Orient. Again, we'll button that point up completely in another video. By the way, notice the Gihon, which is confirmed thus far in Noah's description, and the river from Eden being the mid-ocean trench which flows for 40,000 miles at the bottom of the ocean floor and is still functioning today, balancing the pH level of the ocean through its hydrothermal vents because they are all basically located within this ancient river system. Again, we can't do this justice in this video. Go and watch our full theory in part 10 of Solomon's Gold series. Now, back to our map. Where are we in this direction? We are back in Eden, in the east of it, and the whole east. Eden, however, is the reference point used here, because Noah was just drawing the line showing the expanse of the entire eastern border of Shem's territory. This is important to remember. Now again... From Eden, which is where we are at this point, it turns to the east and proceeds till it reaches the east of the mountain named Rapha, which is east of Eden. And it descends to the bank of the mouth of the river Tina. You can see we are nearing the end of this territory description because Noah has made a very detailed border on pretty much all sides. Note, the east of the Rapha mountains are Shem's, but the mountains themselves and the west belong to Japheth, as we showed you earlier, which makes sense that they would be named after Japheth's son, Riphath, Rapha. This is why they bore the name of Ripheth, son of Gomer, from Japheth and were not named after one of Shem's generations. And we drew it on the south side of the bank of the river Tina, meaning the Tina River waters belong to Japheth as well. So we now have a full picture of Shem's territory, which is basically Asia and has withstood the test of time as the border between Asia and Europe remains this same border set by Noah still today. This portion came forth by lot for Shem and his sons, that they should possess it forever, unto his generations for evermore. Forever! And it uses that description in the beginning and again at the end, but we are not finished yet because Noah repeats these directions so that it is abundantly clear whose territory is whose. Despite this, Jubilees tells that Ham took some of Shem's territory. You will notice Israel is within Shem's borders, yet Canaan, Ham's son, possessed it, Against Noah's wishes. This is why Yahuwah God gives it back to Abraham's generations, because they are Shem's generations, and the land was promised to Shem. Thus, the promised land, not just to Abraham, though it was, but to his ancestor, Shem, son of Noah, by Noah himself. We can't cover all of Jubilees in this one video, though, so let's recap real quick. Here are all the arrows for the territory the author describes thus far, and notice how detailed this description is following a very logical, easy-to-follow pattern. But we are about to have even more blanks filled in. So here is Shem's territory, and we will explain why we are able to complete the boundaries such as the Southeast Pacific and the area around Israel. And do you know what Noah thought of this? And Noah rejoiced that this portion came forth for Shem and for his sons. And he remembered all that he had spoken with his mouth in prophecy. For he had said, Blessed be the Lord God, Yahuwah, of Shem, and may the Lord, Yahuwah, dwell in the dwelling of Shem. And he knew that the Garden of Eden is the Holy of Holies, and the dwelling of the Lord, Yahuwah, and Mount Sinai the center of the desert and Mount Zion, the center of the navel of the earth. These three were created as holy places facing each other. And he blessed the God of gods, who had put the word of the Lord Yahuwah into his mouth, and the Lord Yahuwah forevermore. There it is, a third time, for. Again, we are going to go through this passage in more detail. But this says the three holy places of Yahuwah God are within Shem's inheritance. This is very significant, and we are actually going to find all three. This says they are facing, which means they form a triangle. Mount Zion, which is in the navel of the earth, Don't confuse this with a mountain in Israel that some confuse with Yahuwah God's holy mountain because this one is in the navel of the earth. And look at the map and note the navel of the earth is not Israel despite many scholars who make such claims and will explain in more detail. Then, There's Mount Sinai, which Constantine's wife had a dream locating it in Egypt, which does not fit the Bible. She should have just read the Bible as the Israelites crossed the Red Sea into Saudi Arabia. And there is lots of proof, including a scripture from Paul himself, actually telling us exactly where Sinai is, and it's not Egypt, no dream necessary. Then, the elusive Garden of Eden is in Shem's territory, and we know on the east side of it, not the west side, but we are not going to just leave it at that. Stay tuned for part 12 of Solomon's Gold series, following this part 3 and part four of the Flood series, where we will find the region of the Garden of Eden. And he knew that a blessed portion and a blessing had come to Shem and his sons unto the generations forever. There it is again. Okay, that's the second Time Noah rejoiced, and the fourth time in this passage that it is identified that Shem's inheritance lasts forever. But we're still not done because now it's going to fill in even more blanks. So, this is Noah confirming the territory in his rejoicing the whole land of Eden. Again, does this say garden? No. Eden, the middle of the earth. Here's Eden, and this is where the river from Eden begins as well. In both descriptions, they begin with the same reference point, the middle of the earth. Note, this is also listed first by Noah, because this is the same location of Yahuwah God's holy mountain on the sides of the north, Mount Zion. Note, Northern Israel is not on the sides of the north. That's just in the north of one country. The North Pole, look at it here, has sides. No matter where you're looking from, you're looking north. You're looking at its sides. So, For it to have sides, it would have to be in the center of the earth, which is where it is on this map. We'll address this in more detail. And second, here's Mount Sinai and the whole land of the Red Sea. For those wondering about the location of Mount Sinai, we will address this further. But the whole land of the Red Sea would be the modern Sinai Peninsula and Saudi Arabia and Yemen. All of it. This is why this is listed second on Noah's list, because it is the location of Yahuwah God's other holy place, Mount Sinai. So can you guess what the third territory Noah mentions might be? Exactly. The Garden of Eden is listed third for a reason, again, as it is within the whole land of the East. Isn't it great the way biblical writings tend to interpret themselves? Let's keep going. And India. So, did we really have to guess earlier when we said the tongue facing the south was India, no, Yahuwah's word is clear. And on the Red Sea and the mountains thereof, which we already have marked, so now we are going to zoom in on the Middle East, because Noah is going to provide more detail about that border. And all the land of Bashan, Ag of Bashan was a giant and his territory extended from Gilead in the south to Hermon in the north and from the Jordan River on the west to Salka on the east. Modern day Syria and the Golan Heights. However, we strongly question whether or not being a giant, Ag did not, in fact, also control the territories of the Philistines, which would be Canaan, Israel, and that whole area. We wonder. We don't know, so we're not going to mark that on the map yet. And all the land of Lebanon. We know where Lebanon is. And the islands of Kathur. Now, this is an area of uncertainty, but let's remember where we are in Lebanon and Syria on the Mediterranean coast. There is ample history that Kaftor is a reference to the island of Crete. And as we are in Syria and Lebanon, and we know this is islands, not just one island, Cyprus also makes sense. Again, we don't quite know on this particular one, but... Not sure that it matters that much. And all the mountains of Senir and Amana. In Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse eight, Solomon identifies these mountains with Lebanon. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Shinir, Senir same word when you look it up, and Hermon, from the lion's dens, from the mountains of the leopards. So, Solomon identifies this with Lebanon. And the mountains of Ashur in the north. And while we're on Asher, let's read Jubilees 9.3, which defines Asher's territory further. Asher was one of the sons of Shem. And for Asher came forth the second portion, all the land of Asher and Nineveh and Shinar, Assyria, and to the border of India, and it ascends and skirts the river. History tells us Assyria's ancient name was Asher or Asur, From it was derived the name of the country Assyria and of the people Assyrians. And on the north and east, the high mountain chains of Armenia and Kurdistan. So this refers to Armenia and Kurdistan. And all the land of Elam, Ashur, and Babel, and Susan, and Mede. These are all lands within Assyria, so we already defined that by jumping ahead to Ashur's territory. However, it looks like there is a hole because Israel and Jordan are not identified yet. But we believe, since Og was a giant, his territory may have at one time included Philistia, the Philistines, and Israel, as well as Jordan. We'll show you a reference coming up that clarifies this as well. And all the mountains of Ararat. Here we go again. As you will see, the author is heading east as the next territory is due north of the Himalayas. And Turkey would make no sense in context, not to mention we have already proven It's the wrong mountain for the Ark to have landed because it does not fit the story on several levels. And all the region beyond the sea, which is beyond the mountains of Ashur, towards the north. We know this cannot go north of the Black Sea because that territory has already been given to Japheth. This refers to the Caspian Sea, which is beyond Armenia and Kurdistan, towards the north. So, to recap, here are all the circles we drew again, and they pretty much confirm the same borders as the previous description. A blessed and spacious land, and all that is in it is very good. So, this pretty well outlines Shem's territory of the earth, basically all of Asia, and it remains today. But we need to deal with one more quick thing to resolve questions before they happen. Let's quickly deal with Shem's son, our Foxad's portion. And for our fox sad came forth the third portion all the land of the region of the Chaldees to the east of the Euphrates bordering on the Red Sea, and all the waters of the desert close to the tongue of the sea, which looks towards Egypt, all the land of Lebanon and Sinir and Amana to the border of the Euphrates. So, our Fox Sad got Israel, Lebanon, Sinai Peninsula on the west, and the Chaldees in Central Asia. This is important to note because the reason Joshua had to reclaim the promised land is because it was stolen from his ancestor Shem Arphaxat. In Jubilees 10, And Ham and his son went into the land which he was to occupy which he acquired as his portion in the land of the south, which is Africa, South America, and Australia. Yes, I'll explain. And Canaan saw the land of Lebanon to the river of Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, Sinai Peninsula, that it was very good, and he went not into the land of his inheritance to the west, that is, to the sea, West Africa and he dwelt in the land of Lebanon eastward and westward from the border of Jordan and from the border of the sea so Canaan the evil son of Ham already cursed by Noah stole that land from Shem and Barfoqsat and Ham his father, and Cush, and Mizraim his brother, said unto him, Thou hast settled in a land which is not thine, and which did not fall to us by lot. Do not do so, for if thou dost do so, thou and thy sons will fall in the land, and be accursed through sedition. For by sedition ye have settled, and by sedition will thy children fall." And thou shalt be rooted out forever. Dwell not in the dwelling of Shem. For to Shem and to his sons did it come by their lot. Cursed art thou, and cursed shalt thou be beyond all the sons of Noah. By the curse by which we bound ourselves by an oath in the presence of the holy judge, and in the presence of Noah our father. But he did not hearken unto them, and dwelt in the land of Lebanon from Hamath to the entering of Egypt, he and his sons, until this day. Note, this was written in a day before Israel reclaimed the land, not 200 to 100 BC by a Pharisee. Just a thought there. And for this reason, that land is named Canaan. So that's how it got named Canaan. So Shem and our Foxad lost that land temporarily, but Yahuwah God gave that promised land back to their descendants, Israel. But also, this explains something we began to unfold in the very beginning of Solomon's Gold series. Let's go back to the map. So, having lost his western territory that Canaan stole, Arphaxad's descendants settled in the Chaldees area in modern-day Iran and a sliver of Iraq. Remember, Arphaxad is Shem's son, and he fathered Selah, who begat Eber, who had two sons, Peleg and Joktan, who separated at Misha, which we said was mishad Iran, which fits this mapping. Peleg headed west, and his descendants, the Israelites, reclaimed that promised land. Joktan headed east with his sons, Ophir, Sheba, and Havilah. So did they live in Saudi Arabia? No. This further proves that Joktan headed to the eastern border of Shem's territory, and Peleg headed to the western border of Shem's territory. Joktan headed to the Orient, and in Part 12, we are really going to bust this wide open. And you will completely understand the language used in this passage, as well as others, that tie this to perhaps even the Garden of Eden. This further proves that Philippines' inhabitants are Shemites, Semites, And the term should never have referred only to peoples from the Middle East. Because Shem's territory wasn't simply the Middle East. That's only a small portion of his territory. To ignore China, India, the Southeast Pacific, uh, and, and all of the rest of Asia is outlandish, to be honest. Russia, you know, this doesn't make any sense that scholars hyper-focus on the Middle East when this territory is right here in front of our face, well-defined as being all of Asia. So now we have a detailed map of the way Shem's territory, his inheritance, was divided by Noah. But didn't we claim Noah divided the entire earth? Yes, we did. Don't miss part four. Noah divides all earth, Ham's and Japheth's inheritance. When you see the way this reads, you will see how clear it is that not just the greater Middle East was divided, as we've already proven, but the entire planet. We may have lost that knowledge over time, but Noah knew. And wait till you see our upcoming part 12 of Solomon's Gold series in which we will narrow in on the location of the Garden of Eden. Yes, we said that and we mean it. You shall see. Thank you for watching our Solomon's Gold series. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and view our website at thegodculture.com. Always remember to prove all things for yourself. Yahuwah God bless.